0: It's your journey in life, and it's your philosophy in life that counts.
1: Hello and welcome to the Wellbeing Champions podcast brought to you by Loonbase. My name is Aaron. And my name is Tom.
2: This is the Wellbeing
1: Champions podcast,
2: where we bring you pearls of wisdom from the best and brightest in the wellbeing world. We aim to share knowledge and learn from others on how to enable people to truly work and live well. Today's guest is Dr. Amrita Sen Mukherjee. Dr. Amrita has many strings to her bow. She has a degree in mathematics with management studies from UCL. She studied medicine at King's and is currently studying a master's degree in positive psychology and coaching psychology. She is a practicing GP as well as a coach with a specialist interest in physician health, well-being, grief and personal transformation. It is with these skills Amrita has founded Your Wellbeing Doctor. She works in occupational medicine and as if that wasn't enough, Amrita is also a trained acupuncture practitioner. Amrita, welcome to the show.
0: Thank you, Tom and Aaron. Thank you so much for having me here. It's a pleasure to be here today. I
2: I try to summarise up the huge facets that you've got So, um, and some of the tickets you've got I would love to have. So I don't know how you've managed to cram it all into your career so far.
0: It's a really, really kind introduction. Um, I think you did it better than I do, to be honest.
2: So we like to start the show with our fast five warm-up questions. So I'll shoot first. Have you got a favourite book, uh, fiction or non-fiction?
0: Um, I really like Nelson Mandela's Long Walk to Freedom.
1: Great. And what's your top purchase in the last year that provided you with the most happiness?
0: Okay so this is not going to be very interesting to many people but my top purchase is some shelves because what that allowed me to do was separate my personal and professional self during Covid because my house was an absolute tip as soon as um, we started homeschooling, as soon as we started you know my husband came home and his you know he took over my study, I was, uh, I was working from home, he took over my study and I was relegated to the old nursery so the old nursery became our study and I needed to Organise myself so the best purchase I have made in 2020 would be some very very boring shelves
1: I don't think that's boring at all I think there's a great metaphor in there for for peace of mind (laughs) and clarity (laughs) yeah Yeah.
0: I have to say you're absolutely right Erin it's given me so much clarity of thought it's allowed me to think more clearly give me flexibility it's allowed me to separate my personal and professional self there's so much to it um but yeah the the um, very boring shelves have given me the most happiness, would you believe oh
2: that's great and next question a tea or coffee drinker
0: definitely tea, but I'm very very fussy so um if one were to come into my family home in normal times um you would see that I'm the one who makes the tea. If anyone asks me if I want a tea, my husband's eyes will roll. He'll make a face and he'll say, you don't really want to make her tea because she's really, really fussy, essentially. And then he'll go into this long tirade about how fussy <laughs> I am blah, 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 blah. Um, So yes, I do. I love tea and I do like it in a particular way. And I'm not fussy. <laughs> I'm just like Particular. Things. No,
2: yeah,
1: I get that.
0: Particular, yes.
1: If you were to live on a desert planet, what three things would you take with you?
0: Okay. Um, I would take photos of my family and loved ones. I would take a journal and a pen so I could write my thoughts, write, um, you know, things that happened to me, things that I'd learned, things that, I don't know, whatever. I'd write my musings in that. And I would take, um, am I allowed to take a phone?
1: Of course, yeah. It's, it's, it's...
0: Okay, then, then I'd take a phone so that I could connect with people. <laughs> I didn't know if that was
1: off the No, I mean we've been very flexible so far. With it's just yeah, it's it's definitely interesting to hear what people think they're allowed and yeah. what the rules are.
0: I'd take a phone so I could actually talk to people and I wouldn't be so <laughs> isolated. Um, but if I couldn't take a phone, I'd certainly take some sweets. Uh, I, I really like strawberry bootlaces.
2: Okay. I think there's three people have mentioned phone now, so yeah, I think it shows how connected we are and how you know and how like the, the modern world, particularly in COVID times, uses technology to stay connected with people
0: yeah absolutely and i don't mean it in the kind of um i don't know to be on social media way i mean it in the sense that i could just make a phone call to talk to somebody because i don't i presume by the question to be completely yeah. isolated and i think that's exactly what covid has highlighted the fact that isolation can be so dangerous um having looked after you know my parents in law and my mother during covid and also you know other members of the community as gps we know that isolation loneliness people who are vulnerable go through quite a lot of difficulties but actually seeing it firsthand when it's on your doorstep brings a more human element to it and I think that's a very difficult thing to acknowledge but also a very important privilege as well that allows us to become more human allows us to become more compassionate and empathic towards people
2: and then final question of the warm-up round is if you had a gigantic billboard you metaphorically had the power to reach millions of people and um, what would it say
0: okay so um My father was a very big influence in my life. He was wise beyond his years. Don't quite know where he got it from. So what I would have on that billboard would be um, concentrate on the central flow. The periphery is always turbulent. So for those of you who understand physics or geology or look at kind of land Mm -hmm. formation, if you look at how water flows either in a test tube, in Landscapes in terms of how a river flows. The water in the middle will always flow centrally. It'll always go straight down the line. The water on the sides, if there are rocks in a river, will always be turbulent. Or you'll always find little ebbs and flows, and little currents, and little rapids, and things like that. And the same happens in a test tube. If you put water down a test tube, if you've got water flowing, you've got water coming from a tap. The water in the middle will always go straight down, and the water on the side will always be turbulent. And what my father was trying to say to me is, in your life things will always happen. Life will always throw you curveballs. You know, you can't control the things that are on the outside in your external systems. What you can control is your mind. You can control your heart. You can control, I mean, in terms of what you believe, you can control all the things that are internal to you. So if you concentrate on yourself, you concentrate on your loved ones, you concentrate on your friends, you concentrate on your goals, you concentrate on your aspirations, then that will be fine. Everything will be fine. Don't worry about the things that are going to happen because whatever happens in life you can't control. Just concentrate on yourself and, you know, everything else will will happen. Don't worry about it. And I don't mean that you shouldn't care about others. I mean, it in the larger context of life, That actually, things are going to happen. We have to weave our way in and out and go with the flow, essentially. Essentially, that means go with the flow.
2: Beautifully articulated. Um, I think, yeah, a great motto to live by.
0: It could just say "go with the flow" as well, um, and <laughs> that would be a much more easy way of saying it. So I might change the billboard to "go with the flow."
2: No, I like the you know I like the the focus element. Don't focus on the periphery and the things that you can't control. I, I, yeah, that, that central flow element is great. So tell us a little bit about your 2020 and how you've you know personally navigated the challenges of of home and working and and the steps you've taken to kind of look after your mental health with with the changes that have been afoot.
0: Yeah, thanks, Tom. That's a really interesting question. Um. I think we're in December now, so there's been a lot to reflect on in 2020. Um, I think when I went into 2020, I had great aspirations for um, my, my work life and my home life as well. And I think what 2020 has taught me is to be flexible in my mindset and to be flexible in appreciating others as well in terms of everybody has things going on everybody has difficulties in life and self-compassion allows us to be compassionate towards other people and so I think the one thing that has really allowed me to to get through 2020 is practicing the art of self-compassion giving myself permission to um, experience the ebbs and flows the peaks and the troughs um, with authenticity so when it has been hard, acknowledging that it's been hard, recognizing what has been hard and trying to manage things in a way that was suitable within my own skill set, within my own means. And if I couldn't, asking for help. So there were times when, um, obviously within the rules at the time, because I've been going through different rules, different tiers, different this, different that. Um, you know, so there were times when I just had so much work on that I couldn't manage I know it sounds really silly, but I couldn't manage cooking for my children. That kind of thing, recognising where my limitations were, recognising what was causing me stress. And actually, I realised not being able to look after my children in the way that I wanted to was causing me stress. I felt like I wasn't doing a good job as a mother because I couldn't cook a meal. Um, So I asked for help with that. And that sounds really, really trite. It sounds really... um, innocuous but actually that can have a really large impact on you it can have a large impact on your work your focus your ability to um navigate your way through situations and so but asking for help earlier prevents all of that so I became more knowledgeable in recognizing what my stresses were and then when you recognize your stresses you can manage them more easily because then the next time it happens you are more quick to put in those mechanisms you're more quick to put in those strategies um so I'd say that was one thing that really helped me um I have had um well as we all have we've all had a very very difficult year um but I would say the first half of the year when we were homeschooling was um, a challenge um I have two young children and so my older child was really having lessons we were very privileged in the sense that he had whole days of lessons and i know that there are lots of children who unfortunately missed a lot of schooling um but what that meant was was that either my husband or i had to be sitting there with him while he was having his lessons and going through content even though he was being taught still going through content with him that he might not have understood so then we were teachers as well as in our own professional role At the same time as that, we were looking after my younger child who was also having simultaneous lessons. So it's just, you know, how do you manage that? Who's going to take the day off? Who's going to do this? Who's going to? So every Sunday we'd go through this rotor of who's managing this, who's managing that. That would impact on our sleep. That would impact on um, the fact that we weren't eating properly. The fact that we weren't sleeping properly. And then that has knock on effects on everything else. And so it was just about making sure that we're really organized and making sure that we worked as a team. So I would say teamwork um, really helped my husband and I grew really strong throughout 2020. I, I would say we've w- we've always had a really happy marriage. I'm very lucky. I've got a very supportive partner. We complement each other very well. But what 2020 has done is it's brought us even closer. Also, the other thing is is that even though I've I was a home worker um, and I have continued in my home role, I feel I've become more connected with people. Actually, because you lose the ability to see people face to face so you make every connection work you make every encounter work um because i suppose for me what COVID has done is is it's shattered our sense of safety it's shattered our sense of security everything that we know can just fall apart in an instant um and that's allowed me to ensure that i'm valuing everybody who i encounter You're
2: right, um, i think we can both definitely associate with sleep disruptions so we say um, we um we've both got three year olds and under one year olds so I think sleep disruption has been a dominant yeah. <laughs> a dominant part to 2020 and um yeah and I don't envy you because obviously ours aren't in school yet so I, I don't envy you at all having to happen to juggle that and I think I think it was a great move when finally the schools got back and 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 some sense of routine was you know for parents and for working parents it could commence again it was
0: yeah for parents and also for children children were missing. Mm-hmm missing that interaction with their friends they were missing um seeing their teachers because they get a lot of role modeling from their teachers and they don't want to see their parents in that educational role um they don't want their parents to be teaching them all the time and i certainly am not a very good teacher i will say that i probably am one of the worst teachers in the world for children uh, i am an adult educator but not a child educator I, I don't i hold my hands up and take my hat off to primary school teachers i think they are worth their weight in gold um Mm. i certainly could not do it um especially (laughs) not for my own children but um you know i think for children having that routine is so important it's so important for their mental health and i think also covid has shown us adults communities that actually what we missed so much was our normal routine and routine is so important for connectivity for physical activity for our own mindset for goal setting you name it there are so many different um, philosophies of well-being and um, what allows the children to thrive is having a routine it's having people who care about them it's having these positive role models um is having a structure um, and getting away from mum and dad as well and not being cooped up
1: you mentioned all these kind of different aspects of well-being and I think we've found well-being has different meanings to different people. I'd, I'd love to hear kind of how you define it and and your take on, on well-being.
0: Thanks Aaron, that's a really lovely question. Um, so I have grown up actually in a house where we spoke about well-being quite a lot and um, I don't know whether that was because of my mum and dad's philosophy in life. I'm sure it was because of that because that was what Was blended in our house but i was always brought up with the philosophy that there were five kind of spokes to well-being essentially um so i think of the mental aspect the mental health aspect the emotional health aspect the psychological health aspect the physical health aspect and also the spiritual health aspect as well um so that's what it means to me now the more i've gone to learn about well-being because it is a science in itself and i say that because the more I realize that there's so much to it and there's so much science and so much evidence-based research that we are yet to uncover. And so well-being, as you said, Aaron, means different things to different people. And some people might not feel that they have spirituality. They might not feel that that's an important part of their lives. And that's absolutely fine because what I try to talk to my clients about and what I try to talk about in the um, talks that I do and the webinars that I support people in is that actually it's your journey in life and it's your philosophy in life that counts what counts is is what you believe and what you feel is right for you so for you your well-being might be um so if you consider these five spokes say your well-being might be really really high in physical activity being the optimum of your physical fitness might be really really important and then you know um having good mental health might be just as important or maybe a bit less but then the rest of it might not be as important to you because if you've got these two elements in your life everything else can fall to the wayside or not necessarily fall to the wayside but they can be parked and they just come along hand in hand and you don't have to necessarily work on them because they come um as kind of byproducts of you optimizing these two. For other people, they might feel that they're more spiritually inclined because of maybe their cultural backgrounds, because of um, a particular journey in life they've had, because of a particular life event. And so they might feel that with their spirituality, they start to reconnect with particular values that they have maybe they have a particular value in service maybe they have a particular value in supporting others and so they might feel that in doing that they become more authentic to their own selves Um, and so it means different things to different people so all I'm trying to say is is that it's a pattern and those patterns mean different things to different people and how you represent yourself um, is important in terms of just being authentic to your own self being authentic to your own values and leading a life that fits with your meaning and your purpose and no one can tell you what's right for you except for you
2: and I've seen that you you mentioned about the webinars and kind of group talks and, and I've seen you've done some sessions with discussing well-being in people's workplaces and I appreciate that diff, you know different workplaces and different organizations will have their own unique challenges but kind of bringing that individual kind of five spoke model to well-being to a group kind of dynamics is, is there any common themes that you've you come across in the groups you've worked with, um and and how do people navigate them, and how might they try and tackle some of the challenges they're having?
0: Yeah, thanks, Tom. That's a wonderful way of kind of bringing in how we can incorporate and navigate both our professional selves and personal selves, and actually how they're not separate entities; they're blended parts of our own selves. And I think one thing that we have been very good at is compartmentalizing our lives. We had our personal identity and our professional identity and pre-COVID we were very good at going to work doing our work and um, coming home and then being ourselves and so we could essentially put on different hats and you know be different people and what COVID has allowed us to do is it's allowed us to amount well there are positives and negatives of this but it's kind of brought these two spheres together in a very abrupt manner and these identities have really blended and molded And I think for some people, what that's done is that's allowed them to kind of reconfigure and think, actually, is my workplace offering me what I need? Is it allowing me to thrive? Is it allowing me to flourish? Is it giving me um, all that I need to be the best me, to be the optimal me? And if not, why not? And I think people are actually asking themselves these questions now, um, which is really important. And one thing that is coming up is, are they in good relationships with their peers? Are they getting support from their peers? Are they in relationships with their peers at work, their colleagues at work, where people have bringing each other up, where there's this sense of camaraderie, where there's a sense of teamwork, where there's a sense of we're all in together. Um, or is there a blame culture? Are people trying to pit against each other? I think that's becoming more apparent. And I think when you can remove yourself from environments, it's less apparent um, because you can leave things at the door, essentially. But then when you're confronted with your home and work-life environment in one place and things are virtual... Those things become more noticeable. I think another thing is having authentic and compassionate leadership is becoming more important. I think it's always been important, but I think it's coming to the forefront of people's minds and lives. And and I say that because we're all juggling these different balls, we're all juggling these different spheres, and we've all been on Zoom calls where you see, and I think the classic thing was that time when we saw that gentleman on the BBC I'm really sorry I can't remember his name but you see the 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 child running in the background and then his wife coming in and shoving the child out the door and yeah, you yeah. Know, <laughs> he's just carrying on and and we've all experienced that as well um in the last few months um so now we all feel this the same kind of you know we all laugh about it now we all and at the time I completely understood the and emotions that gentleman was feeling and so it's that kind of thing that actually having somebody who understands who's your leader who's your manager who understands what you're going through is really really important so role modeling that so how can we do that how can we get the best out of our people well, actually, having psychological safety is really important. How do we build psychological safety in our environments? And how do you do that, especially of the virtual for interface? Well, actually, building rapport and building trust are hugely important values and um, that imbibe in psychological safety so i mean there's so much to psychological safety i've literally just mentioned it as a throwaway term but we we (laughs) could talk about it all day and there's a lot of evidence behind that but essentially if you want to build psychological safety in your teams you have to have effective leadership and i mean compassionate and authentic leadership and you have to have trust and build rapport amongst your team so going um vertically but also horizontally as well
2: uh, there was an evidence base that I came across from work done pre-COVID again, that it was evident that in terms of opening up conversations about struggles with our mental health, one of the most common groups of people that we that we do that with is our peers, you know, is, is colleagues at work. And it's it's really you know, less, less so would it be family or, or close friends and, and more so our peers. And yeah, and it's great that if companies have a focus on effective and compassionate leadership that that enables that, you know, this, these positive communications and these positive aspects of inter-work relationships to, to continue and, and, and persist despite the remote element that's all over the place.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And a really good way of um, empowering people to connect with their own selves, to start engaging with these conversations because it's, it's a multi-step process. It's actually companies engaging and uh, investing in coaching because what that does is it gives people time to reflect It gives people the space to um, be supported in a reflective space, essentially with a coach for the coach to be a supportive entity to help that person with whatever goals they want to achieve. But then the hard work actually with coaching is done afterwards between the person and their own self. A lot of work is done after coaching. With the person in their own mind and their own body and soul um, but then what happens is is that person then with whatever goal they're working on with whatever's been talked about in coaching they're able to access that they're able to reach their subconscious and they're able to actually activate and implement those plans those activities those thoughts um, and that allows them to have more authentic conversations with people and support people in ways and support themselves in ways that they might not have known so actually in organizations investing in coaching actually can pay dividends in so many different ways, not just in terms of optimising performance and getting, um, you know, the best out of their employees in terms of uh, monetary value, but in terms of actually um, if you're psychologically fit, if you're emotionally fit, you're going to feel more engaged with your workforce and feel more engaged with getting that to work as well.
1: I really enjoyed your article, The Art and Importance of Gratitude that's on your blog um are you are you happy to kind of talk more about the effects that gratitude has on our well-being and any tips you might have for turning gratitude into an actionable habit
0: sure yeah um I wrote that I wrote that right at the beginning of COVID actually I think I think it was April I wrote that um thank you for reading that That that's really kind um (laughs) I um so Again, I'm going to bring my dad into this. I'm sorry if I talk about him quite a lot, but essentially, he was was an amazing life teacher for me. So he always taught me to be um, grateful for things, to always pay respect and pay kindness to people, and so it was something that I always did. But then when I started the masters that I'm doing, I had no, I genuinely had no idea that paying gratitude to people was an evidence based and scientific positive psychology intervention. And so when I learned about this, I literally just had these light bulbs going off in my mind because I was so excited to hear that something that you know you do or that you try to do as a habit and I I wasn't very good at it before um I tried to be but wasn't very good at it um something actually has so much value and importance and has been studied and so I thought well actually if something you can do on a daily basis can actually physically and you know evidence-based have positive outcomes can not just help you, but help those in your sphere of influence and therefore have ripple effects on others as well. What's, what's wrong with that? How, how, how can it not, you know, it's a no brainer. How, how can we not uh, indulge in this activity? So essentially what, what happens with gratitude is, and it's a very long intro into this. Um, So essentially what happens with gratitude is that um, when we start to notice the things in our lives that we're grateful for, um, And it doesn't have to be something very big, it can be something very small, such as um, you mentioned, Tom and Aaron, that you're both parents of young children. So it could be something like my child slept for an extra half an hour or, um, you know, they didn't vomit after they had their food today. Something like that, you know, um, which obviously is a really big thing for you and your child in that moment. But for somebody else hearing it, they might not understand the life impact that has for you. So it's not about anybody else. It's not about the the magnitude of the gratitude that you're paying. It's about what it means to you and the significance it means to you as a person. So for me, it was having a warm cup of tea. Um, so we mentioned that I really like tea and then having it warm was amazing. So I started to pay gratitude for the fact that I could feel the, feel, feel the cup in my hands. The cup was warm. My hands were very cold and um, not only that, I really liked the taste. So I started to pay gratitude for, for that every day. Um. And what happens is, is when you start to pay gratitude, it activates this particular part of your brain called the reticular activating system. Now, that's the part of your brain which is like a magnet. It turns on and it starts to notice things. So an example I use is when you're a learner driver. So. Before you start to learn how to drive, you never notice learner drivers on the road. And then as soon as you become a learner driver, you start to notice every single learner driver on the road. I don't know if you've, you've had that experience or if you buy a red car and then suddenly everybody else on the road has a red car. Something like that, something that you have done in your life and then everybody else has done the same thing. This part of your brain is like a magnet. So when you start to partake in an activity, when it's become something that's imbibed in you, you start to notice it in others. So it's the same thing with gratitude. When you start to pay gratitude for small things, you start to notice the small things around you that are positive as well. So gratitude can have impacts on the way you feel when someone else smiles at you. When someone smiles at you, you start to be grateful for the fact that they've actually stopped what they're doing. Essentially, they've acknowledged your presence and they've given you a smile. What that then does is that then makes you feel really important. It makes you feel happy. It makes you feel valued as a human being. When you start to feel valued, that increases your self-esteem. When your self-esteem increases, that increases your goal setting values. When you start increasing your goal setting values, that increases your creativity when your creativity increases that increases your growth mindset. So it's uh, this is a very bridged version of all the importance of gratitude but what I'm trying to say is is that it leads into another theory called broaden and build. So the more positive we are, the more positively we behave. So essentially positivity breeds positivity. So gratitude can pay dividends not just in you but in others because others around you start to notice how gra- how grateful you are and they're like, "Oh, okay, they're really happy." why have they got a smile on their face all the time? I want to be like that. So then they start to be happy as well because positivity actually is quite contagious. It, you know, it, it spreads like wildfire and the more positive you are, the more, um, the more able you are to filter out the negatives in life as well. So if you do encounter a difficult situation, <clears throat> if you do encounter something that's a bit, um, a bit tricky, Actually, the positivity that you have works as like a psychological credit and it's able to just reflect that. Um, so gratitude works in, in a lot of ways. I hope that was um, a reasonable explanation.
2: Oh, honestly, like, beautifully put. And I think for me, just gave some clarity to my understanding that And you know, I've always put the connection of gratitude and, and growth mindset. But you know, but the step the steps were a little bit <laughs> a little bit muddied, shall we say? Um, and I know, we, you know, we asked your billboard poster before, but I think I think this is something that all humans feel. I think we innately understand the positives in you know in paying thanks to to, to whatever small or large thing. Um, but my billboard would have been, you know, my billboard would be uh, your gratitude determines your latitude, and and it's something that I've connected with, but never really fully understood. And I think it, I think it is to do with this kind of connection with the growth mindset and how positivity breeds further positivity and and, you know this positive cycle just just spins out and yeah and if we could spread positivity to like that wildfire though, well that's what it's all about, isn't it?
0: Absolutely. And there's loads of that's really interesting, Tom, that you said that um gratitude spreads with latitude because there's loads of evidence to support gratitude and being positively correlated with empathy and with compassion as well. Um so I won't go into that, but it's it's really interesting because the more you read about it, then we're like, okay, yeah, of course that makes perfect sense. Why wouldn't it make sense? Um oh yeah, I I, yeah. I love your billboard.
2: <laughs> it was a spin on words that I'd previously come across but I'd never put the pieces together so yeah like thank you for the clarity. Our work at Loombase is a lot of it's about you know encouraging people and supporting people in developing positive habits and you mentioned you know practicing gratitude but have you got any practical tips in which people might be able to to practice that and and is there any kind of habits or or kind of you know low hanging fruit that people might want to give a try in, in in which they might be able to practice some gratitude?
0: What I would suggest is um, first of all, having the caveat of the fact that when you do things like with anything, um, it's hard at first. It's hard to keep routines. It's hard to make routines. And um, if you aren't able to commit to this, don't. Don't be too hard on yourself because you have loads of other things going on in your life. So if this is something that you really want to do, but you just don't have the time, the energy or you try it for like a week and it doesn't work out, it doesn't continue. Don't be too hard on yourself because trying new habits is hard. So that's the first thing I'd say, that caveat. The second thing I'd say is just get yourself a journal or a diary or something that you can actually physically use to write in. So some people say I use my phone. There's absolutely no problem with that. If that's the type of thing you want to do, wonderful. That, that's your choice. And I think that's a great choice to make. However, I personally would recommend getting a diary. And I think the reason I say that is because there's a different process that happens when you actually pick up a pen and you start to write because it's a kinesthetic process. It's a different process. that And there's a lot of different evidence about the kinesthetic process that occurs when you connect with your um, Brain and the different aspects of the brain that connect with actually thinking, that then becomes a motor action. So when you're writing something, that thought becomes a reality, as opposed to typing. That it's it's a different it's a different pathway that's activated. So what I'd say is, every night before you go to bed, or every morning when you wake up, however it is, choose a specific time in your day and just write down three things. So it doesn't have to be anything. it could just be tea warm and taste so for me that 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 would be you know because then that's going to remind me that actually it wasn't just the fact that I had tea it was the fact that it was warm in my hands and it was the fact that it tasted nice and then I don't know if it was something like food like two evening meal favorite and I don't know hot something like that obviously you can tell that I'm uh, not very used to having hot meals and hot drinks probably because I have two children who take me away from normal habits and so (laughs) those are the things that I'm really grateful for so um it's not just about writing what you're grateful for it's about writing the connection what is it that what is it about that thing that you are grateful for Four, if you see what it means so it 's the t and then you 're going down to another layer i 'm grateful for it because of x y and Z so just writing down a couple of points every night but what I would say is that try it try it for a week and see how it makes you feel so write write a little bit on your journal about what 's happened before how you 're feeling before carry it on for a week and then at the end of the week write a little bit about any improvements that have that you've noticed in yourself, and then ask your loved one if you're in a married couple, if you're in a partnership with somebody, if you're, um, you know, you've got a sibling, a friend. Say, have you noticed anything different about me? I've been doing this gratitude journal. I think it's made this difference. Do you think it's made that difference? And if they say no, I don't, then that's fine. No, that's no big deal. But if they say, yeah, actually, I have, or I think this difference has occurred, then that's wonderful you're getting some feedback about it but don't be disheartened if you can't keep to the habit is essentially what I'm saying this flexibility of thought is really important
2: oh yeah I'm I'm so glad you brought up journaling because it's it's well it's it's one of the kind of personal development areas of our platform it's something that we practice but yeah I agree that the handwritten stuff makes sense to me and I, there was a piece of work that came out of the states that that looked at um a group of people that were laid off and and put them in different intervention groups for support of getting back to meaningful work. And there was a standout winner in terms of which intervention was was the most helpful. You know it wasn't CV building, it wasn't um, interview uh, techniques practice. It was a group that were that were allocated to daily journaling, just just practice daily journaling, practice gratitude, you know, see how your mindset changes over time. And it was this group that, that were the most successful in getting back to meaningful work. So, so yeah, so I think um, positives are yeah, a, a multifold.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I don't know um, if you've heard of the work of Pennebaker as well. Um, so he's done a lot of work on journaling too or just mm. writing down expressive prose. So you don't have to write down um, your thoughts with any particular clarity or with any particular punctuation, spelling, gra- grammar, because... Obviously, the way we've been schooled, we like to write in proper language and proper prose. But what Penny Baker says is that actually when you're going through a difficult time or when you've had a difficult experience, if you just write down whatever thoughts are going through your mind, actually what that allows you to do is it allows you to unjumble the thoughts that you might be having, any anxiety that you might be having because of a difficulty, any um, you know specific concerns that you don't necessarily know that you're having, but you've just got that discomfort in the pits of your stomach. what what that expressive writing allows you to do is actually connect with those thoughts and make sense of them and allows you to understand what's happening in your own mind to be able to acknowledge, recognise and then manage them. So actually that's a really powerful thing to do as well.
1: So we have conversations about the state of flow and the effect that that can have on our mental health. Do you have any experience or tips for achieving flow in our work?
0: I would say that the experience of getting into flow yes i have had personal experience of getting into it um i noticed it a lot in my children a lot um uh, particularly when they're playing paw patrol is a big favorite of theirs <laughs> and you see them getting engrossed into this world where um for the paw patrol fans out there where you know they're making these big stories about you know the pups and rider and whatnot and but you literally can't interrupt them. You can't interject. And it reminds me of my childhood. And um, I play the piano as well. And it reminds me of what happens when I'm playing. And I'm not very good now. I used to be quite good, but I, my fingers just don't work like they used to. And um, Probably because I'm very out of practice. But I remember the states that I used to get into when I was in flow. And the joy it used to bring me is something that's uncomparable. Um, the joy that it you get into this almost head, hedonic state where you just can't quite articulate unless you've been in that state, which I'm sure all of us have at some point. um you can't quite articulate what's happening because you're, you just become so connected with what you're doing that you become disconnected with everything else. And I miss it actually. And I think what's happened in 2020 reflecting again on 2020 is that I've become so busy with other things. I've been become so busy with managing all these different um, curveballs that keep coming at me that i don 't have time to participate in the things that that get me into flow because actually I feel for me to get into flow. it takes time if you see what I mean, and so I feel that at the moment i don 't have time, and so I miss it um, but what I would say about flow and the benefits of flow is that they 're exponential. The wonderful, wonderful Polish psychologist. Who has done immense work in flow? Um, I believe his name is Mihai Chiksentnagel. Um, he's a really famous positive psychologist. So, if anyone wants to look at any of his work, he's done a lot of TED talks, um, and there's a lot of information out there about him.
2: Well, that's great. Yeah, COVID vaccines have, have just commenced, which is you know, which is really exciting, and and I think a lot of people are kind of clinging to these glimpses of hope. Um, but you know, the next six months and beyond are going to be really difficult still. Yeah, you know, and whether that's job losses or persistent anxiety that people have been living with, um, and I'd love to, you know, I'd love to know your tips and your insights into how people can try and manage some of this anxiety as we transition, hopefully, out of a pandemic.
0: Yeah, that's a good question. The first thing I would say, and I caveat this all the time, is if you feel that you are in need of support, always reach out. If you feel that you're in in need of support and your symptoms are becoming um, too severe in the sense that you need to have professional support, please reach out. There are lots and lots of health care professionals out there who want to help you. There are lots of support services out there who want to help you. Moving on, if you don't feel that you're in that category where you need professional support and you feel that you're in the remit where you can support yourself or support yourself with others around you, I would say the first thing you need to do is connect with yourself. Connect with yourself in a way that allows you to understand what actually is happening. Why is it that you're feeling these feelings and what are the stresses? What are the stresses that are causing you to feel these feelings? Because we all feel difficulties from time to time, but we will all feel them because of different reasons and we'll all feel them in different ways. It's about recognising what your stressor is once you've acknowledged that and you recognise what your stressor is, you can recognise how it's making you feel. When you recognise how it's making you feel, that gives you another step in the journey as to what emotions are going on inside. Because at the first state of anxiety, we've just got this discomfort that's going on. We've got this kind of sinking feeling, this uncom- you know uncomfortable feeling. We're just feeling a bit itchy, a bit you know. There are so many parts to this process. then once you acknowledge the emotions, you can understand where they might be coming from. So understanding where they're coming from, understanding why you're feeling them and thinking, has this happened to me before? If it has happened to me before, what did I do in that situation? Or have I had a similar type of situation that could allow me to use some of those skills, use some of that knowledge, use some of that experience to transfer it into this current situation? And thinking about what your own mechanisms are. So, some people like to have um, support from friends, support from loved ones. They like connection. Some people like to have emotional validation. So, some people feel that they need their emotions supported at that time. Um, they need to talk about them. They need people to understand what exactly they're going through. Some people don't like that. Some people go into themselves, but they like to have practical tips. So, um, you know, An example that I gave earlier, can you help me with making meals for my children? I asked my sister that and she said, yes, I can help you. So I like practical support and other people like to have esteem validation. So when they're at work, they need to be told that they're doing a good job. Yes, actually, I really like the job that you've done. Your job was wonderful and, you know, we can move on with this project because of the work that you have contributed. So we all need different things to support us in getting through our anxiety. And actually, if you figure out what that secret ingredient is, what is it that you need in your time of need, that can really be the key to uncovering um, some of the difficulties that you might feel. And so that's why I say connecting with yourself um, is really, really important. And it's important to do that at a time when you're in a good place rather than when you're in a bad place because sometimes when you're in a difficult situation it's hard to do that it's hard to spend the time with yourself and do that and it's not the most comfortable of things to do
2: and that's yeah, really powerful and I think yeah I think a lot to take from that obviously 2021 is on the horizon and what what's going to be your focus for 2021 and what like what does the future hold with regards to your well-being doctor where, where can you see that taking you
0: I am very keen to finish my masters um, in a way that's suitable for me. So I'm trying to have this flexibility of thought where I'm concentrating on my masters because I need to finish that, and ensuring that have again I keep talking about it flexibility of thought that actually I have these projects. I'm really really keen on them, but actually what come what may, and um, you know I have it's really important to have goals to work t- towards goals because that gives us hope, it gives us optimism, and it allows us to have these um, behaviours that allows us to be self-determined, and that gives us self-esteem. But I'm also very mindful of the fact that things can change very quickly, um, and 2020 has taught me that. So I have this flexibility of thought that I have plans, I'm working towards them, but if something happens and there's a curveball that comes my way, that's okay, because we'll, we'll work it through.
1: I guess also in closing uh, where can people reach out to you where would you like people to go to to connect and find out more about your work?
0: Thank you um, Aaron uh, so you can connect with me on LinkedIn so you can look for me um, I'm Dr Amrita Sen Mukherjee uh, you can also connect with me on Twitter I am at your Wellbeing doctor that's dr um, I'm also on Instagram at your Wellbeing doctor that's the word doctor. Um, I'm on Facebook at your wellbeing doctor, that's the word doctor, but I've also got a website as well, um, which is www.yourwellbeing.doctor. Um, so I do offer a range of services, um, which include individual coaching, group coaching, um, workshops, talks, um, so lots of different things. So if anyone is interested, do um, please get in touch. Obviously, my service has been a bit Limited given COVID with
1: the acupuncture. Oh great. And I will link to all of those links in the show notes for to make it easy for people to find. Thank you
0: so much, Aaron, and thanks for inviting me here. It's been really lovely to meet you guys and to talk
1: to you. Oh thank you. you
2: Thank you for your time and loved having you on.
1: No, thank you so much.
0: You're most welcome. Thank you.
1: This podcast is brought to you by Loonbase. LoonBase is an all-in-one well-being platform for your workplace. Listeners of this podcast can get an exclusive deal. Just simply go to loonbase.com forward slash champions. That's loonbase.com forward slash champions to find out more.